The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. We're glad you're here today. Welcome to those of you here for the first time. We're glad you're here as well. And so we're thankful to be in, in the house of the Lord. Thankful for um, the bro bashes. Man, they've been going over really well. I um, encourage you to be a part of that. Even if you don't play, we've got most of the indoor courts down there reserved. And, and we couldn't get these out here because they have leagues. And so just decided to, to go there. So you can eat and watch. You don't have to play. Um, and, and it's going to be a great time. Great fellowship we've had with the dudes in the, in the church. And we've been encouraged by that. And, um, and so it's a lot of fun, you know? Pickleball is a lot of fun. Uh, second is, I want to say it's a little crowded in here, continues to get a little more and more crowded, and we thank the Lord for that. And by way of that, on Easter, we'll be having two services, uh, 9 o'clock and 1045. If we keep go- chipping away at this, we may do a couple of trial runs here in a couple of weeks. So kind of... Just mark that down in your mind. Isn't that what we said, Q, 9 and 1045? Yeah, bro. All right, thanks, bro. <laughs> so, so we're excited about that, how the Lord is moving. And then one other big announcement, man, is I got an email on Friday, and they said that the panels for the cross are en route. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, they told me that the reason that the delay, we were able to gather this information, the architect sent me a real cool um, uh, email about the, the reason for the delay is these things are made 150 miles north of Jerusalem. Yeah, so they, it took a long time to get them over here. I think there were some complications. They were sitting on a shipping container for a long time. But it's kind of cool, man, this thing we built out here. Um, this last piece like, uh, that's going on was uh, manufactured right there where the Lord walked around when he was here um, uh, 2,000 years ago. So when, when Jesus was here and he was walking around, as we jump into the last sermon in this Patria series on how to develop our kids and raise them up and teach them um, what it means to follow Christ, when he was here... Um, he was, you know, he was doing all this teaching and these religious leaders, man, they asked this question of him in John chapter eight, who are you? They asked, and he says, just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied, I have much to say to you, to, to you say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I've heard from him I tell the world. Okay, so, so Jesus is talking to the religious dudes and everybody else in that, that, that crowd that he was addressing. And he says, man, I have, he said, I'm, I'm exactly who I've been saying all along and I have much to say in judgment of you. And what I say, he says, you can trust. Like that um, it, it, it is trustworthy because God sent me. And we know in fact that he was God in the flesh. And he says, what I have heard from him, I tell the world. So Jesus is clearly challenging and correcting the way these people view the world. And so when we talk about your worldview, and everybody has a worldview, okay? Everybody in this room has a view. What we mean is simply the lens through which you perceive the world and interact with it. 
So Corey's running around here this morning. He's got his camera, and he's snapping shots through that lens, and he is perceiving something. Well, we all have a lens like that. We all are looking at the world, and we're perceiving it, and we're interacting with it, and we're making decisions based upon how we are viewing all of life through that lens. And when we think about worldviews, they're kind of interesting, because there used to be a time uh, in world history when everyone embraced what was known as the geocentric model. And that meant that sun rises, it literally rises, and it sets, and it appears to orbit the earth. But then we get this guy by the name of Copernicus who comes along a little later, and he proposes the heliocentric model, and he says that the earth actually orbits the sun. And he was right. And what we glean from that is that history teaches us that a dominant worldview can be false. Like, it can just be totally off. And, and so we see that in so many different ways. Now, when we look at the world that we're living in, um, there was a time in our own society, in the United States of America, where the dominant worldview was Christian. Like, people just looked at the world and they viewed, like, it dominantly, like, now we could say that most people, we would say, well, most people still see themselves as Christian, but we're not talking about how people see themselves. We're talking about how people see the world. And the way people, at one point in time, the way people viewed the world, the dominant worldview was from a Christian perspective. And you can see it in television. You can see it on the media. You can see it in all these different places that, that in entertainment, for instance, there were always scenes of people going to church or praying about things in their lives. And you would see like a respect for God along in, in the midst of the story. Not, not, not every single uh, thing was that way, but you would see it. It was common. It was not surprising. Now, the age that we live in, if there's anything overtly Christian in any kind of storylines, the person is usually um, a weirdo. And it's totally flipped. Like, they're totally out of touch. And they almost make fun of the person um, if you see a, a person like that in a sitcom and the world is not viewed the same way. And so we, we live in this world now that we were in this place where there was sort of a protection. You're raising your kids up. You're sending them to school. The, you could trust that the, the school even. Like when I was a kid, man, um, I grew up and we would, we would have a moment of silence. And, and I would pray there in class, man. I would talk to the Lord. And we'd have the, the Pledge of Allegiance. And we'd have all these different experiences. And, and, and even some teachers that I interacted with, they were very vocal about their faith. And, and boy, it's just shifted. Like, you're, there's no space for that anymore. And, and it's really been reduced to, <laughs> if they say anything, if you hear somebody say something when a tragedy happens... Um, they'll say, like the news reporters, they'll say, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. I don't think anybody's like, what does that mean? I don't think people, like thoughts and prayers, like thoughts are the same as prayers. They're, they're not even remotely the same. When somebody says, I'm praying for you, I want to know, man, you're praying for me. Like you are talking to God on my behalf. You are interceding on my behalf. I don't want to hear you say thoughts and prayers, like peace out. Right? That's what that feels like. And so the reason for that is because we're living in a world, in a world where now the dominant worldview is post-Christian. 
It's just not a Christian world that we live in as far as how people view the world right now in our society. And so moral relativism is the moral or the dominant worldview of the day. And, and basically, it's, it's, it's based on feelings. And so absolute truth is sort of tossed out the window, and we all make up our own truth. Well, that's your truth, and that's my truth, and it's celebrated that you can make up your truth, and I can make up my truth, and people are just, this is so awesome. We said, well, it doesn't work. It's not livable. Yeah, I walk up and I slap you in the face. You say, why do you do that? Because it's my truth. Right? And, and you can't tell me, yes, if your truth is different, then we, there's, that doesn't make sense. It's not livable. But we're doing this on so many different levels. We're doing this on, on how we view sexuality and all kinds of other things. It's like there's no absolutes. And, and why has is, why is that happened is because the dominant worldview of the day is relativism. And so here we are in this world that we're living in, and we are inundated with information. <laughs> like a click of a button. You know what? It is hard to put your cell phone down. And I watch TV, and I'm scrolling on my cell phone. Like it's hard. If it's really a strange thing. It's almost like we have these habits now that we're, we just are reaching and always looking. And I'm just speaking from my own personal experiences is that um, it's, it's just a world that we live in because of all this information, and we're filtering all of that. And not only are we filtering all of that information, um, our kids are doing the same thing. And it's even more rapid than anything we've ever experienced because that's all they've ever known. At least I can look back historically and remember a time where it, that wasn't the case, you know? And you, you thought you were cutting edge if you had this little thing on your hip that vibrated and go... <laughs> And you call somebody, right? And that was, that was like technology, man. And, and so now it's like, this, boy, you just got this computer in your hand, all this information constantly flooding you. And in the midst of all that influential information, we're supposed to be raising up our kids and teaching them about the ways of the Lord and how to follow Jesus in, in the midst of all of that. And so how do we ensure, like, so I got these five kids, and I've been raising them now for 20 years, and uh, I'm almost done. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't look forward to them being grown at all. I, well, I kind of do. Uh, but, <laughs> no, I, I love my kids, but how do I, how do I, like, how do we navigate through this time and go, man, especially me, like, I was really sensitive to this in the sense that I, as a pastor, I wanted to do everything that I could that ensured that my kids didn't hate church and they didn't resent church because I, it was always pulling us in places they didn't want to go, but that they really loved the church. And I felt like, if, if man, if I could, if I could sh teach my kids who Jesus was and how to follow him and, and they had a love for the church and it was just natural to them and it wasn't something that I was constantly forcing them and, and telling them, well, hey, you know, you got to be a certain, like I'm the pastor, you got to think about how you're carrying yourself. And I'm, I've never really had conversations like that with my kids. And one of the reasons is because I really focused early on about this whole idea of a worldview, man. How can they view the world? Now, they each individually have to develop their own relationship with Jesus, just like these people on the um, videos and their testimonies. They're, they're professing about their 
um, their relationship with the Lord and how they've entered into a covenant with Christ and they recognize their sin has been forgiven and they're, they're calling on the name of the Lord to save them. And everybody has to do that. But how could I, in the midst of raising these kids without forcing them into that, make sure that they understand when it's time for them to take that step and, and get baptized and, and ask, the, like, ask the Lord to be the Lord of their lives um, and not just do it because I'm the pastor and all these other people are doing it, but they really have a heart to follow the Lord. How do I develop that worldview? And, and so I've, I really focused in on it sort of being more natural, not information overload for them, but not teaching them so much as just letting them see it. Now, in this whole parenting series, what I've tried to equip you with is, is this stuff is caught, not taught. Like, they have to catch it for mom and dad, not just be taught it. And as they catch it, it becomes part of who they are, their spiritual DNA, as they can grow up in a home. And so as we're, we're navigating through all of this stuff, and we're trying to lead our kids, whether they're... Um, you know, and, and it, it doesn't matter. Like, we can think, well, I can take them to church, or I can homeschool them, or I could put them in a Christian school, or they're in a public school. It doesn't matter. What, like, the, man, the Christian schools, homeschooling, that's all awesome. But it doesn't ensure that you're developing a Christian worldview in your home. Uh, you send your kids to a Christian school if the things that are happening in the home are not something that they can see up close, then chances are they're probably going to um, never catch a hold of this thing called Christianity and what it means to be a disciple of Christ and follow him. And so I like how do how do we navigate through all of these things? What are some strategies? Well, I'm going to give you a few today, real quickly, that I think are extremely important. Here's the first one. You have got to intentionally avoid spiritual schizophrenia, okay? you got to avoid it like the plague. If you do not have a firm grasp of what you believe and why you believe it, you end up with a hodgepodge worldview. What is a hodgepodge worldview? It is a view in which you take a little of this and a little of that, and you don't realize that it is contra contradicting the very faith that you claim to believe. So you, you, you think that this is what it means to be a Christian, and you really postmodernize Christianity, and you feel a certain way, and you say, this is how I feel about this, but then this is how I feel about that, so I put a little of this in here, and that's okay, because um, I feel this way, and God knows how I feel, and so we get into this place where we're putting stuff in our faith and in our worldview that is contradicting itself. And you cannot merge two different worldviews and live a consistent life. And so when your kids are watching you, if you have spiritual schizophrenia and you're picking up stuff that um, like is not founded in the word and you're trying to say, well, this is okay that I live this way because I feel a certain way, they're watching you. And they're watching whether or not there's consistency in your life. And so the greatest thing that you could do for your kids is make sure that you do have consistency when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. That's the greatest thing you could do for yourself, by the way. And so it's, uh, you, you cannot merge these two different worldviews and live any kind of consistent life whatsoever. You end up being a, a, a spiritual schizophrenic. And that's a major problem in the church. As a matter of fact, it's, it's probably, and I don't know, like the room is full, 
But some of you right now have walked in the door and you have a case of spiritual schizophrenia. You're putting stuff in your life that simply is not what we would call um, up to par with what Christ taught, what the New Testament teaches. One of the things I love about um, the videos that we heard, and, and boy, Ellie really keyed in on it, and her, her testimony was the idea of surrender and how the Lord discovered or how the Lord led her through this discovery and understanding that she hadn't surrendered. And guess what it was that led her there? It was the Word. The Word began to impact her worldview, and, has, and, and it changed the world around her. And so she was living a life that was inconsistent, and she recognized that. And what we have to understand as believers is that taking our kids to church doesn't make you Christian. No more than taking them to a Royals game makes them baseball players. Just doesn't. You could take them to church every single week and never miss a Sunday, and they could know squat about Jesus. As a matter of fact, they might come to a place where they don't even like Jesus. They think Jesus is a phony. They think Jesus is kind of like the tooth fairy because it's just been a religious experience, and they've never seen it. They've never seen somebody live like they're viewing the world through the eyes of Christ, through the mind, with the mind of Christ. And so it's not enough to talk about God once a week or to experience God in a church service. That's not enough. That's why God gave us, um, and he, even in the founding of, of the nation of Israel, before they were a nation, and, and he gives them the law in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which has kind of been the theme of this series, is he says, um, he gives them the great commandment um, that Jesus refers to, the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. And then he says in verse 6 of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them. Impress them on your children. How? Well, you talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your homes and on your gates. What is God saying there? He's saying that, like, he expects daily life to orbit around him. That's what he's saying. He's saying it should be natural. It should be happening all the time. It should be happening when you're driving to Starbucks. It should be happening on the way to the basketball game. It should be happening on the way to taking them to a friend's house. And it shouldn't be happening like, well, don't do anything stupid, you know. That's not the way it should be happening. It should be happening in what you, what the Lord is doing in your life and you're sharing it with your kids and your kids are like, hey, how is the Lord moving in my life that way? And, and so, like, if the only time that they hear how the Lord is um, moving in someone's life is when they come, come around uh, someone like me, a pastor, or, or, or Pastor Shea, or any of the other, like, professional Christ followers, it sort of seems unrelatable. But when mom and dad are doing it, man, something's going on. When my neighbors are doing it, something is going on. When people I'm doing life with that aren't in this pastoral position are doing it, something like starts to make me look inside and go, what is missing in my life? And so as we look at this, we see that one of the things that we have to ensure is that we're impressing this stuff. We're impressing it on our kids. We're not forcing it. We're impressing it. It's just happening. We're not breaking them. We're impressing it. We're just constantly, we have a mind that's thinking like that. 
So how how in the world do we do that? When we've got to avoid spiritual schizophrenia, we're not going to do that, or we're going to start impressing some things on their lives that shouldn't be there. And so we want to be aware of that. So how do we avoid spiritual schizophrenia? You have to develop spiritual heliocentrism. Okay, What in the world is that? It's something I made up. (laughs) So it's when family life orbits around God. All of family life. Development takes place with Jesus right at the center. And so the reason many kids depart the faith in late adolescence is because they've not developed this Christian worldview. And so how do we as parents help them? How do we not only help our kids, how do we help people that we are doing life with? People, our neighbors and coworkers and just friends that we care about. How do we help them develop a worldview? Well, we have to develop this, this heliocentrism by answering the most important question in life. And that is what Pilate asked Christ. What is truth? Like, what in the world is truth? And Jesus has this encounter with Pilate, right before he's crucified. Pilate is a Roman official, and there's sort of this trial. The Jews of the Jewish leaders that Jesus has tried to correct their worldview bring and accuse Jesus of blasphemy. And here he is before Pilate, and Pilate's trying to figure this out. Pilate's wife has had some crazy dream that said, Don't have anything to do with that man. And she's trying to get away from the whole situation. She, she knows something divine is at work here. And so Pilate's interviewing him, and Jesus says, you are right in saying I'm a king. And he says, in fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Everybody on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus is the truth. So now we're living in a world world that is post-Christian, And a lot of times people will paint this picture that people who are followers of Jesus are narrow-minded and bigoted. And we're trying to force what we believe on other people. And what you have to understand is it's not about us forcing what we believe on other people. It's about understanding what Jesus said. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He is truth. And so we begin to align our lives with everything that Jesus taught. So Christianity is not geocentric. It is heliocentric. And what I mean by that, you cannot live a life, and this is where a lot of believers get confused, you cannot live a life where you're asking Jesus to orbit you. Jesus, help me with this. Jesus, help me with that. Jesus, here I am over here. Jesus, I want this. Jesus, I want that. Jesus, I'm worried about this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And Jesus is probably going, Jesus. (laughs) Because what we're supposed to be doing is going, Jesus, what do you want? Jesus, where should I go? Jesus, what should I do? You see, Jesus is to be at the center and I am to go around him, I'm not at the center asking him to come around me. Asking him to live, uh, help me live my life the way that I want to live. That's spiritual schizophrenia. That's not lordship. 
That's just saviorship. And Jesus said, you shall know me as Lord and Savior. And so we have to know him as Lord and understand that he is at the center of our lives and all of our family life orbits around him. And so our kids see us making sacrifices in life that demonstrates that he's at the center. That's where one thing can be helpful about church attendance, is it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of some of our time on a Sunday morning. We sacrifice our money to make sure that the church can move forward and we can be focused on the uh, agenda of the kingdom. Um, there's sacrifice in serving. And so as you make these decisions and you do these things that are about the kingdom, then you're, you're asking the Lord, what does he want you to do, not what do I have time for? See, asking if I have time to do something is, 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 is opposite of going, man, what does the Lord want me to do? Because sometimes the Lord will tell you not to do something because he wants you to do something else. And so we have to be just as sensitive to be able to discern and recognize spiritually when the Lord is telling us not to do something in the kingdom because he wants us to do something else in the kingdom or when he is telling us in the affirmative to do something in the kingdom. And, and, and sometimes, as our kids watch us navigate through these things, and we do them because of our love for the Lord, and we recognize that as we've talked to Him and we've prayed through these things, He has impressed upon us what we are to do. Now, we have a life lesson of what it is like to walk in obedience to Jesus. And so, remember, the whole premise of great parenting is treating your children the way God treats you. As I walk in obedience to what the Lord has called me to do, I just have experienced something in walking out that obedience to be able to impress upon my kids. And so we need to be looking as many things that we can find to go, how does my life orbit around Jesus in this situation? How does my life orbit around Jesus in my job? How does my life orbit around Jesus in my marriage? How does my life orbit around Jesus in the decisions I'm making and the things that I'm doing? Because each time that I do those things, then what happens is I'm impressing upon my kids. I'm impressing even when I don't know I'm impressing. That's the scary thing. If you were not intentionally thinking about this, you are probably unintentionally impressing upon your kids what it means to disobey Jesus. But that's heavy, isn't it? And to stop and think, like, my kids are watching me and I'm impressing on them. They're my souls to shepherd. And as they're watching me, I want to make sure that I'm impressing the things that help them in their journey with the Lord, that help them understand truth, so that in this broken world that is so mixed up, they understand there are some absolutes. And there are some absolutes that Jesus said are trustworthy, that you can trust what he has challenged us with, and you can live your life by it, and you can have a good life, a good life that, that he is walking with you, man, and, and that you can experience things that this world just can't provide. They only come from heaven. And that's why Jesus says in the Lord's prayer when he taught us how to pray, he said, pray that the Father's will would be done on heaven as it is in earth, that we would bring the divine down to the planet. And, And when that happens, when the divine happens and it comes to the planet, man, there's a spiritual explosion on the inside of me that happens through the, the production of the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the, the understanding, man, the, the mercy, the, like all of this stuff, the self-control starts coming out of me. And when it comes out of me, then the kingdom is produced and heaven is brought to earth. And when heaven is brought to earth, then I rejoice. 
And when I rejoice, people can tell that I'm walking in a place of rejoicing. I'm not walking in a place of bondage. I'm walking in a place of freedom, and I'm, I'm experiencing life. And so then anything that life has to throw at me, I can walk through it, whether it is something that seems like it's going to um, bring discouragement or something that's bringing joy. <laughs> I can enjoy it at a level that I, I'm supposed to, and I can navigate and walk through it in a way that is, is not just earthly. It is divine. It's coming from heaven because God is impressing it upon me. And I walk that out in obedience and I'm impressing it upon my children by giving them a model to see this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so we walk in this place where we start letting our lives orbit around the sun instead of asking the sun to orbit around us. And if you're not doing that... (laughs) And you won't, if you're not doing it, you're a schizo. It's, 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 you're just schizophrenic. You have multiple personalities spiritually. But when you do it here, well, there's the thought I was trying to land on. It kind of escaped me. I got on that run there, man. I couldn't, that ever happened to you, bro? You just kind of run and you're like, what was I going to say? I don't know. And I'm having this conversation and words are coming out of my mouth. It's like you can't find that stuff. It was this. When I walk in obedience, I mean, you get, you get these little kids, man, and they come into the house, and, and, and they're like, they're really just like mush. They don't know anything. They don't know how to take care of themselves. Would you just love them to death? And then they start growing, and, and then they start talking, and each of them have their own unique personalities that are developing. And that's what makes having several of them so fun is you got all these personalities in the house. And the older they get, the more their personality comes out. And, and boy, I love the toddler years. And I love those young years that I, I had my kids. But they are so fun right now um, just to talk to and, and have conversations with. And their personalities are developing. And they're, they're having their own life experiences. And they're encouraging me now. It's because they're, they're developing <laughs> spiritually or, or physically and spiritually. When we're walking with the Lord and this stuff happens and our life orbits around Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit is produced in our lives, what happens is our spiritual personality is being developed. And, and then we become more enjoyable people spiritually. We, be, we become more enjoyable to our spiritual father. We don't become more valuable to him. We're just more enjoyable to him. And when we walk in that joy, man, he, he is able to continue to grow us and bring us along. And guess what happens? We become more enjoyable to other people. And the world doesn't look at us like weirdos. They look at us like, like people who are actually enjoying life regardless of our circumstances. And, and they take notice of that. And we become contagious individuals that are drawing other people around us and helping them start to develop their spiritual personalities rather than being stuck in this place with multiple spiritual personalities. And so like we know that we know that the mind and schizophrenia is a real thing. I am not making light of that. What I'm trying to do is saying the same problem happens on a spiritual level. And I wouldn't be surprised if sometimes and in some cases some of that spiritual is causing some of that mental 
Because we, it's just an unlivable lifestyle and it causes stress and it, it causes pain in our lives and ultimately we can lose control and so we need to understand, man, I need my life to orbit around Jesus and the more of me that orbits around Jesus, the greater my life will be regardless of whether I'm suffering or I'm living like in this incredible experience and everything's great in my life. He's at the center and I'm able to navigate through it. That's why they looked at the early disciples and they were like, even in their deaths, they were like, man, these people, they, they like still have joy when we're, they're being burned at the stake or being eaten in the Colosseum and they won't renounce their faith. Why? It's because they were orbiting around the sun and it didn't matter what happened in their life because their life was, they were finding life in the sun, not trying to get the sun to find life in them. And so how do we do that? Go, how, man, how? I want, I want some of that. I want to share my, the values and character of Christ um, with those around me. How do I develop heliocentric faith? It's very simple. You monitor your basket of beliefs. You monitor everyone's basket of beliefs. I, you know, you're at the grocery store, and you're walking through, and you're putting stuff in your basket, and you invariably run across somebody else that's in the store that you know, and what do you do? What are they buying? <laughs> You're looking in their basket. And then you notice that they're looking in yours too. That's what we need to do when it comes to belief. We need to look in our own basket. We need to look in the basket of our kids. We need to look in the basket of our friends. And we need to understand, what are people putting in their basket of beliefs? Because when they get to the checkout line, Christianity won't pay for everything. It will only pay. Like it will only pay for what we find in the Word. And that's why the word becomes so vital and so important is that we don't need to be trying to cash in on something that is not a part of what Jesus has taught. And so when it comes to your worldview development, you intentionally monitor everyone's basket of beliefs and you have to be aware of what people are, are putting in theirs and, and, and help them to see that. Now, I remember, and boy, you can start this early. As a matter of fact, the earlier you start it, the better you'll be at it, and the more you'll help your kids. We were, when our kids were younger, we were watching TV one day. Of course, my kids are already growing up from the time they could talk. That I taught them, man, you need to see yourself as a warrior for the Lord. Man, you are a warrior. I just taught them that their whole lives. And so we were watching TV. I was watching a game one Saturday afternoon. We had direct TV at the time. And a, a promo came on, man. And it was a promo for the show Hellboy. And the main character was in the, in the commercial, man. And he's that, I don't know who the guy's name is. Crazy looking dude. You know, his horns are cut off and everything. And, and I, you know, it's just normal. I'm just sitting there and it's on there. And like, all of a sudden, man, Jonah comes up off the couch and says, Dad, it's the devil. <laughs> He's a little bitty guy. And so like, I'm, I'm in worldview. Like I'm, I'm, I'm monitoring the basket of beliefs right there in that moment. And I immediately said, man, that's not the devil, bro. I said, the Bible doesn't say anything about the devil being red and looking like that. I said, that, the devil, man, is shiny and nice, and he looks good, and you have to be able to perceive what he's really trying to tempt you with. He's never going to look like that in your life, Jonah. And so, like, I taught him that, hey, man, the devil presents himself as an angel of light. He doesn't present himself like that. And so that was monitoring what Jonah was putting in his basket of beliefs. Now, where was he getting that? Where was he, he, he was getting it from culture. 
It's make-believe. It's not even real. And so if we are not able to kind of help them unpack some of this stuff, then we end up um, just leaving it to chance, which is ironic because we don't do that with anything else. And so I, I, uh, what I do is I call that like worldview surveillance radar. That thing's just on all the time. Now here's the thing. Meteorologists use what is known as Doppler radar, weather surveillance radar. And in this, what happens is, and boy, you know, why, why, am I, why did I get so caught up with this, and why would I know so much about this? I grew up in Tornado Alley. Like, when I moved up here, I thought, well, they, tornadoes are bad in Kansas too, you know? They're not bad on the east side. Like, you, you, this is kind of rookie area for tornadoes. Like, I know that. Like, where I live, man, and now, now out west, it's a little different, okay? So I'll give you that. But where I lived was kind of like I-35 for tornadoes. Every year they come down this right train. And you know what's weird? Is people get their houses blown away and they just build right back there again. <laughs> so, so anyway, Doppler radar. Man, when Doppler radar came out. Well, what does Doppler radar do? Doppler radar sends out a pulse. And it sends out a pulse for seven seconds. For the next 59 minutes and 53 seconds, it listens. Seven seconds of every hour, it sends a pulse out. 59 minutes and 53 seconds, it listens. What does it listen for? It listens for what is moving away from the radar and what is moving toward it. And then it's able to project something on the screen and see what's happening in the environment. This is the essence of Deuteronomy 6. When you sit down, when you're walking down the road, when you're eating, when you're, when you're doing all these things, have your radar on and, and constantly be listening. Are my kids, are my friends moving toward or away from truth? Am I moving toward or away from truth? Listen to what comes out of your own mouth sometimes. And, you, if, like when you, and then get, your people, get yourself around people that know how to use this radar. Don't get yourself around people that blast the radar for 59 minutes and 53 seconds and listen for seven. Listen for se like let the radar do its thing for seven seconds and listen the rest of the time. And so the, the, the call of the kingdom is not to always be talking. Most of the time it is to be listening. And when it is necessary, drop the truth, man. Drop the truth in a way that can be received and help a person recognize, am I moving toward Christ or am I moving away from him? Because what I want to do is remain in that place where I'm constantly orbiting around the sun. And if I will monitor it, then Jesus teaches me something very, very important. When I learn to listen more and speak to strategically, I'm not only developing myself, I'm developing those around me, my, ch my own children and my friends and, and, and my people I go to church with, and we help each other. And Jesus says this, man, in John chapter 8, verse 31, if you hold to my teaching, you, really, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what we need more of in the world is freedom. And so as Sean comes and makes his way and we land this thing today, what is the big idea for us? What is the big idea that we learn 
from this series and, and, and even in today's talk. And, and I think, I, think that I love it when the Lord does this, even in the baptism um, testimonies. Like, the, same, the same thing is just being echoed. Embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. Now, ironically, the guy who invented the Doppler radar, his name was Christian Doppler. And that's what you need. You need to be a Christian Doppler. Like, you just need to be listening. And just a minute, and so, and here's the thing is that if you're really going to engage in that as a parent, as a believer, you got to be able to emanate a pulse of truth. And it's got to be the right one. <laughs> you got to know the right timing. You got to know the right direction. You got to know how to let it out. And so the way we do that, man, is we get in the Word. And the word starts pointing us in directions. It starts pointing things out for us personally. And so we don't get in the word because you go, man, the preacher keeps telling me I need to read the word and I feel bad if I don't read the word and I got to read this much every day. And I, man, you miss it. You go, you wake up and go, I know the creator of the universe personally. He's got a word for me today. He's got a word for me that is different than the word he has for my wife. He's got a word for me that is going to show me something that's going to help me develop my spiritual personality. And the more people get to know how awesome my spiritual personality is, the greater my life is going to be. Because I'm going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set me free. And so I'm going to know, man, as I'm walking with the Lord and he points these things out and I'm sitting in the word, man, and he shows me a little nugget of truth. One of the funnest things to do, you know, the fun thing, like I love to preach the word. I like to stand up here and teach you guys truth and hope that you receive it. But you know what I really like is I like to dig out a nugget and go, oh, what? I, that is different. man. I never saw that before. The Lord is teaching me something about myself. And generally, man, when one of those hits me, I'll write it down on a post-it note. And, and I glue it, like I tape it on my, my whiteboard. And then I start working through it, man. I start living that thing out. And as I start living, I was like, this, this, is, this is effective. And I text it to people. I say, Shay, look at this. He's like, whoa, he says that's a good nugget right there. And then I take, like, I want to text it to somebody else. And that is so fun because what's happening is my spiritual personality is still developing. The Lord is still turning me into the, this person, this person that's living on the planet that is developing the eyes of Jesus and the ears of Jesus and the mind of Jesus so that my feet go where Jesus wants to go. And I actually am the body of Christ until he calls me home. I'd encourage you today, man. Like, I want to encourage you. Get a hold of the truth. Just hold on to it with everything in you and let the Lord lead you and impress things on you. And as you receive those things, impress them on the people around you, starting with your family in the right way. And you will be a great mom. You will be a great dad. You'll be a great husband. You'll be a great, you'll be a great uh, wife. You'll be a great worker. Like you'll be a great person. 
Because, man, you're going to be living according to the author of life's direction to you personally as he reveals that truth from his word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to ask you this morning, um, before I lead us in a prayer and turn the service over to Sean, like if you're here and you say, man, I need to embrace the truth. I know it's true. And I've kind of just stepped out in a place of disobedience. I've been living in rebellion for a little while. I, I need to nail this down. And man, today I, I want to pray. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to embrace the truth. And I'm going to sink my teeth into it. And I'm not going to look back, man. And that's the commitment I'm making today. I know the Lord. I know him. But I need to embrace this today because I haven't been. And I'm making a renewal of my commitment to follow Jesus today. If you're here and you'd say that, would you just raise your hand? Anybody at all? Good. Good. Anybody else? You just lift it up and put it right back down. Good. Anybody else? Okay, last question. If you're here and you say, man, I've never embraced the truth. I've never taken hold of Jesus. I've never confessed that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me. I think he's calling me into the kingdom right now. That's me. And I'm ready to let go of my life and make Jesus my Lord. If you're here and you'd like to do that today, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody at all before we pray? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these testimonies we've heard. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And we thank you, Lord, for these commitments that are made, this renewal of a commitment. And we pray, Lord, for anybody who may be here, who like their heart has been touched and they have more questions, that you'd give them the courage um, to reach out and ask somebody to visit more about it. I thank you for this body of believers, Lord, and what you're establishing here. And I thank you, Lord, that we just have people that just love you and love each other and, and want to just walk in obedience and, and ensure that our lives are orbiting you, Lord. And so I pray for your blessing upon all the people of OPCC. And I pray for you to help them, Lord, as they walk out of this place and they interact with all the people who are not part of OPCC and are supposed to be. Because we know, Lord, that there are people out there that are miserable in their spiritual schizophrenia right now. And that, Lord, we can step into their lives and bring balance by helping them discover who they are in Christ. And so I pray for this family, Lord, that you would send us out this week. We'd have our eyes open and we would see what you were doing. We love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.